My name is James Rowlands, and I am a lifelong wrestling fan. In 2015, I started a podcast with my friend, Dan White, reviewing the WWE Network and seeing if it's worth the $9.99 a month. It was. And since then, every month, we watch the latest WWE pay-per-views, NXT, and now 205 Live. Still continuing our journey through the network, watching ECW, WCW, and all its classic content. Until we've watched it all, we are with you, and we are the WNR. Yes, hello. I am James Rowlands, and as always, I'm joined by... Dan White. And it is the WNR... Hall of Fame special. Is our second Hall of Fame special episode that we're doing. Of course, we did one for the 2016 Hall of Fame, and this is for the Hall of Fame class of 2017. And we're going to talk about each of these uh, superstars as they go into the Hall of Fame. Of course, we'll talk a, bit, a little bit about them and also watching matches as well from their career. So we're going to start off. The first ones going into the Hall of Fame, Dan, are the Rock and Roll Express. <laughs> Rock and roll is here to stay now that Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson are in the WWE Hall of Fame. A groundbreaking tag team who inspired the Rockers and a generation of other tag teams first left the station in 1983 when Ricky and Robert joined forces in Jerry Lawler's Memphis-based wrestling territory. With long flowing hair, flashy outfits and bandanas from head to toe, the Express were treated like heartthrob rock stars everywhere they went. Ricky and Robert had to fight through the screaming thongs of teenage girls just to get into the ring. Yeah, but Ricky and Robert weren't just pretty boys. They could fight. And once the bell rang, the rock and roll high-octane attitudes into the square circle. Often outsized by their opponents, Ricky and Robert relied on speed and agility to throw their opponents off. And in the event that they found themselves overpowered, they had the innate ability to rally a crowd behind them and wheel them back into the fight. Their fast-paced offence, teen idol look and rock and roll charm made the Express one of the most popular tag teams in sports entertainment history. And the perfect foils for villains like the Four Horsemen, the Rush of the Heavenly Bodies and their greatest rivals, Jim Cornette's Midnight Express. Ricky and Robert fought through the tennis racket-wielding loudmouth charges around the world for the top tag team titles in the industry and set a bar for the generation of tandem competitors. Yeah, and speaking of that feud, the Rock and Roll Express versus the Midnight Express, our match we're going to watch is from Starcade, November 26th, 1987, and it is Morton and Gibson versus Stan Lane and Bobby Eaton, and we've seen them come out as well. 
During their hectic careers, the Rock and Roll Express captured dozens of tag team championships in Memphis, Mid-South Wrestling, NWA and Smoky Mountain Wrestling. In 2017, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson added one more accolade to their incredible resume. WWE Hall of Famers. Exactly. So we're going to watch a match, a Skywalker's match, Dan? A Skywalker's match? I haven't, no. And it's not with lightsabers. It is basically a scaffold match, but they're bigging it up a little bit. Have you seen much of the Rock and Roll Express or even the Midnight Express, Dan? I haven't, no. I've not seen either of them. I've seen more Jim Cornette matches than I have seen any others. Well, it's interesting you say Jim Cornette. The wrestling world was shocked Jim Cornette with the return to the company, at least for one night, to do the honours of inducting his old rivals, the Rock and Roll Express, into the company's Hall of Fame. One of the reasons it was surprising to learn the legendary manager and booker had mended fences with WWE was due to his contentious history with some of the newer stars on the roster, such as former Universal Champion Kevin Owens. The pair both talk of butting heads while working for Ring of Honor and occasionally snipe at or offer backhanded compliments to one another this day. Yeah, and so you knew KO was half about comment and one of the wrestling best Twitterers didn't disappoint. It says, I think it's wild that Jim Connett is inducted the Rock and Roll Express into the Hall of Fame. Just wait until he has to induct me. So, brilliant by the former Universal Champion there. And, of course, Kevin Owens... Uh, Jim Connett said Kevin Owens would never make it in the sport because he was too big. But the match has started now, and it looks like Bubba was security. So they're on top of the scaffolding now, and we just saw uh, Ricky Morton taken out. Gibson is in precarious position. I mean, Dan. So how... both members of Midnight Express are up on the scaffolding. They are, like we say. But if they fall from there, Dan, how far would they fall? At least 60 foot. They are. <laughs> Big bus, mate, or big bubba trying to climb the scaffolding, but getting beaten down by James E. Cornett's tennis racket there. But it's Morton that's wielding it. Exactly. He's taken it off Jimmy, and now he's gone up to meet the Midnight Express on the top of this uh, Skywalker <laughs> setup. It's crazy they'd think the Skywalker gimmick would sell because of Star Wars. That's literally why they did it for, you know. But scaffold matches were a part and parcel of kind of Southern wrestling back in the day as well, even though you couldn't do a lot on them. And Morton going crazy with James E. Cornette's tennis racket. Well, Stan Lane, did he fell off the side of the, the structure there. And we've got Gibson working on Bobby Eaton. As I say, the Rock and Roll Express now. Sporting lovely mallets, they might are. I add. And they still, I think they still sport them to this day as well. We'll see it on the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Gibson there busted wide open, Dan. He is, yes. He's been injured by the uh, the Midnight Express. Oh, fucking hell. And all men are in very precarious positions. Oh, wait a minute. That's Stan Lane with the powder. I think it is. Powder to the face. Trying to throw Gibson off. Gibson's had the powder to the face. It's not your catch-can style wrestling match, is it? It's not. I mean, these guys, like we say, they're few. They had great wrestling matches. But I thought, we don't want to see a 35-minute tag team technical classic masterpiece. We want to see something stupid. Midnight Express now. They're going to send... Gibson over. Oh, but Gibson ducking, and I think the Midnight Express may have had a meeting of the minds. And that tennis racket's still up there as well. Oh. oh. And it's hard to tell who has the upper hand here. I think all four men are looking at a sticky end. <laughs> yeah, they're more scared of making a mistake and doing an offensive move. At least they got that kind of safety net there with a the railing up as well. Really <laughs> Oh, my God. That looks really fucking... Looks as if it would bend if you put... Two- I think you'd be able to do it now because of health and safety, you know, mate? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, that nearly went under him then. And we hear JR on the commentary as well. So Bobby Eaton there getting caught, though. 
Oh, but that safety rail's coming into play, and Gibson uses it on the head of Eaton. You're going to impale someone in a minute. There's no point holding on to that, Gibson. That's not going to secure your weight, mate. He can hardly see with the blood in his eyes as well, Dan. Well, I think Stan Lane is uh, doing the wise thing and climbing down out of there. Oh, but he's getting his hand chomped on. Oh, but managing to get out of harm's way. Oh, there's a racket again. Nice throw by Cornette. Straight, straight to Eaton. And you've got Gibson taking a beating at the tennis racket. Is he going to let his foe go to help his partner? Well, we have never seen anything like this here on the WNR podcast. Quite incredible. So now Gibson, he's got control of the tennis racket and he's wailing Eaton there at the top. <laughs> he just took a full shot to the face. Oh, Eaton's gone. Oh, thought he was going then, but he landed on the staging up there. And tonight they truly are Skywalkers, <laughs> Big shot to the face of Eaton there. Uh-oh, that doesn't look good. Stan Lane's hanging from underneath the platform. <laughs> well, it might be time to go, Stan. Hey! Stan's gone. Gibson's in trouble now. Well, there we go. That full left. Stan Lane probably broke his back. Jim McConnett say no. But now... Oh, both members of the Rock and Roll Express are going to be up top now going against... Just one, Bobby Eaton. And but, Eaton has gotten himself into a mess now. <laughs> yes. And that tennis racket, he lost his only weapon. Caught a big kick now. Oh, they're going to push Eaton off the side. Both Morton and Gibson trying to kick him off the staging. Gibson now trying to kick him off of it. And the thing is, when he falls, I mean, yes, the Rock and Roll Express has won, but that kind of impact on those hard <laughs> mats, especially back in the day. It was Have like, they won it now because they've kicked them off the stadium? Yes, they, right. the, the match is over, thankfully. But I'd say with the, with the, the, the mat like concrete there, isn't it, you know? Boss man's going up there now to try and uh, make his presence felt. <laughs> Big Bubba, man of his size, precarious position. But again, he's got the tennis racket. I think Gibson's doing the right thing getting down there. Yeah, Morton wants to follow his mate's footsteps. Oh, Big Bubba say, no, I don't need the tennis racket. Morton a hit. low blow, and now he's scarpering out of there. Oh, and they're gone. Rock and Roll Express win. Big Bubba there, up on top of the staging, pissed off that his men got away. Oh, and look what they've done. They've taken Big Bubba's jacket and hat as well. So no, this is not Ricky Morton has got Boss Man's jacket and Cornette's racket. And hat. they have. And what do you think of the Rock and Roll Express after watching that brilliant match, Dan? Um, there's some crazy sons of bitches. You know, they definitely deserve to be in the Hall of Fame after that match alone, you know. I, 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 will, I, I think I'm going to warn you now, Dan. The match quality that we're going to watch tonight, probably not what you're going to be expecting as we move on. And up next, the next person going in, Dan, go on. Holla, holla, holla! It is Theodore Long. You know it's the Mac Militant. Coming to get it on. Long's induction is the culmination of a 30-plus year career in the sports entertainment industry, dating back to early 1980s where he did odd jobs in various territories around the southern United States. That led to a position on the ring crew with Jim Crockett Promotions, the predecessor to World Championship Wrestling and eventually signed a position as an official NWA referee. He shared the ring with legends and Hall of Famers like Ric Flair, the Four Horsemen, Dusty Rhodes, Magnum TA, the Rock and Roll Express, and countless others. 
As the 80s drew to a close, Teddy Long left behind the referee's stripes and became a manager, guiding the careers of up-and-coming grapplers. His first success as a manager came when his charges doomed the powerful tag team have captured the WWE World Tag Team titles from the Steiner brothers. During his tenure as manager in WWE, Long helped guide the careers of a varied group of competitors, including Chris Jericho, Johnny B. Bad, Ice Train, and One Man Gang, among countless others. In 1998, Long made the jump to WWE, once again donning the referee stripes and doing his best to enforce the rules during some of the Attitude Era's biggest matches. By 2002, he once again turned to managing, this time hitching his wagon to the nasty trio of D'Lo Brown, Rodney Mack and Jazz, later adding Christopher Nowinski, Mark Henry and Mark Gindrak to the fold. However, Long may be best remembered by the WWE Universe for his work as general manager. He was made the SmackDown general manager in 2004, becoming the first African-American to hold a position. Do you know people that it's not a real position? <laughs> it's, like, it's not yeah. it's like actually a real position. During several tenures as the helm of SmackDown East W, Long established himself as someone who'd work his hardest to give the WWE Universe the best shows possible. That included the new Superstar Initiative, which introduced W fans to lots of Kofi Kingston and Jack Swagger, among others. On top of that, Long was often lauded for his matchmaking skills. When tensions ran high between groups of four or more superstars, he knew how to best defuse the situation by splitting them up into squads for a tag team match. Long's love for an impromptu tag team matches has become his calling card, endearing him even more to the WWE universe. Long's groundbreaking career in sports entertainment makes him worthy of the awesome honour induction into the WWE Hall of Fame. Yes, indeed. Uh, do you think Teddy Long deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, Dan? Uh, most definitely, yeah. You know, he's he's a legend for our long career. Um, you know, I've been what SummerSlam 2004, you know, and, you know, it's just him and it. it's just his <laughs> yeah. character. Yeah. He's, you know, he's done it proud. Yeah. Yes, and inducting Teddy Long into the Hall of Fame is the APA. Damn! Teddy managed Ron, like we said, in Doom. Do you think the API are the right people to induct Teddy Long into the Hall of Fame? Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. it'd be quite good, wouldn't it? Yeah, Brad Sean Farouk. And the match we're going to watch is NWA Capital Combat, May 19th, 1990, versus Paul Ellering in a hair versus hair match. And I'd like to note that at this moment in time, both men are bald. Can I just mention as well, Capital Combat is one of the greatest pay-per-views of all time because not only has it got this classic match, you actually have Robocop coming out and helping Sting at the end as well. <laughs> so, oh, we've got to watch that. <laughs> no, we'll save, we'll save it for a later date. Of course, Paul Ellering, someone who's just come back to the main roster now, you know, part of the Authors of Pain managers. So a classic hair versus hair match. <laughs> yeah, that's Missy Hyatt. She was the w- WCW's equivalent of like a Miss Elizabeth, you know. Oh, my God. She sounds worse than Vicky Guerrero. <laughs> She's just shouting. What do you think of Paul Ellering looking there, though? Fucking hell. Oh. <laughs> he has aged really bad in 27 years. Yeah. Tom, Fuck. Tom Selleck, eat your heart out. But here comes a Hall of Famer boxing attire. He's taking it seriously. Got the head guard, boxing gloves on. All rocking really cool moustaches. Referee's got good moustache. Teddy Long, of course. And, I mean, Tom Selleck fucking Paul Ellering at the moment. He looks like Freddie Mercury. <laughs> he does as well. He does. He wants to break free in this match, Dan, all right? Oh, oh, and Teddy Long not letting Ellering get his jacket off and punching him from behind, not with his fist, but kind of slapping him with a boxing glove on. 
Oh, and uh, of course, the headgear as well. Teddy's got the advantage. It reminds me a bit of Michael Cole when he went against Jerry the King Lawler. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's winding up for the big one. Oh, and knocks Ellering down. Go for the pin. One, two. Oh, but a kick out by Ellering. Oh. And now this is one match I never ever in my life thought I'd get to see. <laughs> exactly. Manager versus manager. Oh, no, this is what the Hall of Fame is all about, bringing out these special matches in the Hall of Fame careers. I take it this is when Ellering was a in-ring competitor. Yeah, well, Ellering was the, the manager, basically, of the Road Warriors. So he was working out to try and, you know what I mean? And if he got down to business in the ring, then so be it, Dan. Oh, Teddy with a big right hand again. Oh, went for the cover, but only a two. Two. What can Teddy do here? Going for another big right hand. Poor Ellering, though, catching it. What's he doing? Is he trying to pull it off? Pulling off Teddy Long's gloves, or at least his big right hand glove. Oh. A big back elbow there by Ellering. <laughs> now Ellering. He's feeling it. Oh, and a scoop slam there by Paul Ellering. Oh, no, he's not putting on the glove, is he? Is it a loaded glove? Oh, and <laughs> knocks Teddy Long out cold with his own boxing glove. Well, you see the object three. Ellering wins in Goldberg-like fashion, but if it was a loaded glove, then why did the Teddy Long punches have no effect earlier? Because Teddy Long wasn't <laughs> throwing them right. And there it was, proof that it was a loaded glove. What do you think <laughs> of that? Oh, hang on a minute. We get Teddy Long, all his hair's getting shaved off, Dan. And from this point on, I'll take it. Teddy Long was bold. Exactly. He no longer had the mullet from behind. And it's all coming off here. What did you think of that classic encounter, Dan? It is probably the second best hair versus hair match I've seen. And I've only seen two. You've only seen two. So anyway, Teddy, I can't believe it. I mean, what are people going to think now? They can see that he's bald. You know, It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Teddy Long, that man right there. 2017 Hall of Fame, sir. You deserve to be there. Well, the other man that was on the losing end, uh, that was on the winning end of a uh, hair versus hair match, is now the president of the United States. Exactly. So hair versus hair matches are big. Exactly, they're big. Uh, so we move on now to to something a little bit more serious. No, sorry, third best hair versus hair match. I've got the cut angle one. Oh yeah, cut angle edge. So we move on to something serious now. Uh, <laughs> we've just had a little bit of fun for a couple of matches, but up next, going into the Hall of Fame, is DDP. Yo, it's me. It's me. It's DDP. DDP's journey to the Hall is an unlikely one, to say the least. The Jersey Shore native broke out onto sports entertainment in his 30s, starting out as a manager in Vern Gagne's AWA while still working as a nightclub manager in Florida. Page took his flashy aesthetic from the clubs, coming to the ring clad in leather, studs and diamond-encrusted jewellery, and accompanied by beautiful bombshells he called the diamond dolls on each arm. He backed up his brash look with trash talk on the microphone and cunning intellect in the corner. DDP led Bad Company to the AWA Tag Team Championship before heading to WCW. Page took charge of the fabulous Freebirds. Taze and Jimmy Garvin turned into Southern Rebels to glam rock megastars, leading them to the WCW Tag Team titles. DDP also guided the early careers of Scott Hall, Kevin Nash 
and Raven before stepping into the ring himself on a full-time basis in 1991. As a 35-year-old rookie, Page's chances of success seem slim, but his unmatched work ethic and determination to succeed he would pay off in the long run. Though he found moderate success as a villain in WCW, catching the company's TV championship, he broke out onto a worldwide scale after turning down membership in the NWO. And it's interesting you say that about DDP, because if we do go to Nitro episode 70, we're going to see DDP in action here. We're going to see two DDP matches for the price of one here tonight. DDP found himself an unlikely man of the people but embraced the love of the fans around the world, who continued to be amazed by the seemingly infinite ways of Page, ways Page found to catch his opponents out of nowhere with his signature move, the Diamond Cutter. So we're going to see DDP in action tonight against local competitor, and we're going to see how he fares. So we see how DDP does tonight, because we're in Nitro then, and this is uh, 20 years ago now, or 20 years and a couple of months and DDP looks exactly the same age now. He's in great shape, isn't he, for a man? Is well, it's that DDP yoga. But we'll see how he fares. I mean, he might be upset here tonight. Oh, and a couple of hip lock attempts there, blocked by a local competitor, but DDP nails him with a DDT. And he's going to go for the patented diamond cutter. Oh, no. Oh, starts to have it loaded, but local competitor with a finger to the eye. And he's going to Irish rip DDP. DDP reverses it. Bang! <laughs> That's the... Diamond cutter. Going for the pin. Two, two three. three. Well, we have Bischoff and Ted DiBiase on commentary and all throughout the match. They've been saying that DDP can become a part of the NWO if he wants to. And off that performance, Dan, you would see why, wouldn't you? Exactly, yes. And oh, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall on the way down doing DDP symbols. Yeah. NWO interested them. So they're bringing out the two guys who started it all. To, I mean, make maybe DDP an official member. As big sexy steps over the top rope. Offering DDP the NWO vest. Oh, <laughs> no. And could this be the dismay no one wanted to see? DDP finally joining the NWO. Well, he hugs Kevin Nash and he puts on the NWO t-shirt. Oh, no. And NWO have gained a new member. No, shaking Scott Hall's hand. <laughs> Bang! Oh! Okay, oh, oh, diamond cutter diamond for cut. Hall. <laughs> and Kevin Nash couldn't believe he just dropped Scott Hall. Oh, and he gets low bridge eliminated from the Royal Rumble onto a table and then sends the table tumbling to the barricades. And Diamond Dallas Page has not joined the NWO. He, he sent, said hell no he to the NWO. He sent a massive statement in today. Everyone had been scared and joining the NWO and Diamond Dallas Page there just DDP cutted his way out of the NWO. Exactly, and that's uh, what made DDP's name. And he would go on from that. And like we say, he's interstardom through his rivalry with the NWO and one of its top members. And that man would be Macho Man Randy Savage. And they took part in thrilling series of matches throughout... 1997. So the match we're going to watch is WCW Spring Stampede 1997 versus Randy Savage. And we see just about square off a Macho taking his time on the outside. Oh, um, and Macho refusing to get in the ring there. He doesn't want any of it, does he? Walking away. Page soon became one of WCW's top heroes and the man that celebrities like Basketball Hall of Famer Carl Malone and late-night television icon Jay Leno wanted to team with when they stepped through the ropes in years... Years and years and years and years and years. 
television icon Jay Leno wanted to team with when they stepped through the ropes. Years of hard work finally paid off for DDP at Spring Stampede 1999, when he defeated a trio of wrestling legends, Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan and Sting, to capture his first WCW World Championship. Page went on to capture the title on two more occasions before WCW was purchased by WWE in 2001. And during his career in WWE, the WWE Universe and some of the Square Circle's most sour superstars, what a positive attitude could do for them. His efforts resulted in a reign as WWE European Champion, which he successfully defended on the grandest stage of them all, WrestleMania. Yet for all his accomplishments inside the ring, DDP is also a Hall of Fame human being. After stepping away from the square circle, he dedicated his life towards helping people take control of theirs. He developed DDP Yoga, a fitness program based around the exercises that helped him stay in the ring for so long. Page also used DDP Yoga to pay back two of his friends and mentors. WWE Hall of Famers Jake the Snake Roberts and Razor Ramon by having the two legends move into his home and work towards getting them back into shape. It is for his accomplishments in and out of the ring that Diamond Dallas Page is more deserving of the induction into the Hall of Fame. Right, so we're talking about <laughs> the Macho Man DDP feud. In 1997, WWE was at the height of its popularity. The New World Order was spray-painting anyone who dared to file them, and tensions between WWE competitors and NWO members were running high. While many fans were focused on Sting's crusade, what? while many were focused on Sting's crusade to take down Hollywood Hogan, a, a feud that we're watching throughout this year as well. There was another, more personal rivalry captivating the audience there. DDP and Macho Man Randy Savage were at odds throughout much of 1997 in one of their most bitter and physical rivalries of all time. They never battled over a title and epitomised the true animosity between the WCW and the NWO. Shortly after Savage joined the infamous black and white clad faction, he attacked Page, but it was Savage's involvement of DDP's then-wife Kimberly that truly kicked off one of the most classic rivalries in WWE history. He said it got really personal really fast. He said before he ever locked up with Randy Savage, DDP already had a storied past for the NWO. A former tag team partner of the NWO, Kevin Nash, and Scott Hall early in his career, Paige felt slighted when they recruited a number of members in the faction before him. And when the time came for DDP's enrolment, he turned down a black, black and white and became a target. In the weeks following Savage's initial attack, the hostility between the two competitors started to build. But it was at WCW's uncensored pay-per-view event in March of 1997 that the animity the reached boiling point. At the time, WCW fans were not aware that DDP and Valley Kimberly were actually married. Savage exposed the couple's relationship in order to get inside Paige's head and th- further enrage the New Jersey native. For me, the whole thing got started uncensored when Savage attacked me and then spray-painted Kim. DDP told WWE Classics, the personal component of the rivalry with Savage didn't only have an effect on DDP, DDP also believes it has really hooked the fans as well. With the other struggle, the NWO and WWE were drawn for an epic clash between these two legends. Page there going for an attempt at the diamond car, but Savage holding on to the top rope and blocking it. And we've seen the men brawl on the outside as well. And they've come back in the ring. He's helping DDP get to his feet, but only for Savage to take out after hopping over the top rope down to the map below. I mean, Savage, does he look in good shape? Uh, yeah, I think he does. I like I like Randy Savage at this point. I mean, he'd been playing Hogan's bitch for a number of uh, years now. 
tag team partner now, you know, he's fighting against the NWO and then he finally joined it. But I think, like we say, with this rivalry with DDP, kind of re- reinvigorated Macho Man during this part, of course. Now they've got the trash can in the back. Oh, but it's leaking liquid and both men are slipping. Yeah, that is for proper trash can. <laughs> yeah. DDP's got another one. Oh, straight over Savage's head. And, and the this good thing, certainly has got really personal really fast. Yeah, has. But the good thing with WCW as well during this time period was the fact that this was the main event of a pay-per-view. So Hogan wasn't defending this title month in, month out. They, they took a time. They said, right, we're going to focus on this feud now and bring it a main event. And I think it's like WWE missing a trick that they could do now as well. With the amount of shows they have, I think you could have a personal feud and have it as main event of a pay-per-view as opposed to a title match every month. Yeah, definitely. Oh, a macho coming down there. Double axe smash on the back of DDP's back as he's over the steel barricade and then thrown into those steel stairs. Well, in all fairness to him, though, like he started quite late on his career. He was in his mid-30s when he actually got into the ring. Macho man going to the outside there to stalk Miss Elizabeth. He, he, put, he put a beating on all these people. Michael Buffer at ringside, Miss Elizabeth, of course, Kim DDP, referee cameraman i mean macho is just psycho isn't he she is no longer with macho man randy savage at this point in real life but of course uh in his in his corner in this one yeah and a chair across the back of ddp and a slap there to the bellman is it no the ring announcer, the ring announcer. <laughs> throwing another chair into the ring you can't hit michael buffett it's not worth the insurance is it oh and DDP chair up to savage so he catches it and then a big right hand to the chair straight in macho man's face could ddp get the leverage now we hope so as he tries to get back into this one. Miss Elizabeth's not happy. Oh, Macho choking DDP, but now DDP firing up in the corner. He has. He's turned the tide and he's giving Macho Man some big right hands. Irish whip. Close on attempt from Macho Man, but Ooh. DDP ducked it, but then got caught on the flip side. Turned inside out by Savage. Going for the cover. Ah, oh, but DDP managing to kick out. Uh-huh. You see, because this first meeting between DDP and Macho Man... Uh, of course, came at Spring Stampede Watch now. And Paige believed that normal match would not suffice for the personal nature of the rivalry about with no rules was absolutely necessary. Uh, we both know that we had to go all out and lay everything on the line, Paige recalled. The thing about me and Savage was that neither of us liked to do a lot of talking when it came to settling our differences. We both just wanted to slug it out. Paige has never forgotten the very beginning of that match. As soon as we locked up, Savage was really aggressive, Paige said. I remember thinking to myself, okay, so this is how it's going to be. I knew right from the opening bell that he would be coming hard. DDP recalls Savage aggression immediately triggering his own adrenaline, but that wasn't the only thing that really had him ready for the match. Even though it was personal, I was jacked up to be out there with Rally Savage, DDP enthusiastically reminisced. But business is business, he continued. So once that bell hit, we pulled out all the stops. When ring announcer Michael Baffer introduced DDP inside Mississippi's Tolipo Coliseum before the match, he spelled out Paige's intention of defending both his honour as well as Kimberley's. As soon as the match got underway, it didn't take long for the action to spill to the outside. Yeah, Macho is in control of this over Paige, but Paige there, Paige with a clothesline. But anyway, it doesn't matter though, because Randy Savage just taken Paige out with a clothesline. Oh, and a scoop slam there. I think Savage is still quite an old-school-style wrestler. Macho Man looking to end DDP here, perhaps? It's going to take a lot to keep Paige down, like I say, defending the honour of his wife. And Macho, is he looking to go up? Doesn't need to, does he? Well, Paige didn't stand down long enough for Macho Man to be able to go up to the top yet. And a third scoop slam there by Savage. Is that enough to keep 
page down. Oh yeah. Buffer's got himself another chair, but I think Savage is after that. Throws the ring announcer just completely out of the way. He's got that ring bell now. Savage going to the top. Oh, but Kimberly snatching it out of Savage's hands. He's thinking, well, have I got the ring bell? What else can I do on top rope? I'm going to hit my elbow. <laughs> and he does know. Oh, but Paige with the feet up straight into Macho Man's chin. He staggers about a bit, then drops to the mat. Paige trying to scramble across to try and get a pin cover, perhaps. To get a pin cover. DDP's got some separation. And is he calling for it now? The diamond cutter. Turns Savage round, but Savage keeps going and gets him in the backslide attempt. See what I mean by old school macho man. Oh, and that was old school. Anything goes and with a low blow, that is allowed. And now he's going to go for the cover. Oh, and Paige is in a lot of pain. Macho is not happy that DDP managed to kick out. Oh. So he grabs hold of the referee and he slaps him. And that might have knocked him out. Oh, no, Macho. What are you doing? Kicks him, gets him prone. Oh, oh it's only... Oh, oh fuck. The seat looks really brutal. I was only joking about taking everybody out, Macho. And now he's trying to strip the referee. Oh, he's getting the belt as a weapon. Oh. oh and whips the ref. What did the referee do wrong? And the Macho, honestly, he was psycho, wasn't he? I wouldn't want to be in the ring. Throwing the ref to the outside. We wouldn't want to be in the ring with him as, yeah, he throws the belt out as well. The Macho man going up top to try and hit his elbow, perhaps. This has been wild. It's a fucking loon. <laughs> Elbow drop. Signals the end. Will he be successful this time? Oh. Pow. Hit him, Paige. Got to tell you something. out the ref. Yeah, you've just taken out the referee. <laughs> Did you really think he was going to recover by the time you got, <laughs> you got back up? And now he's calling for a referee. Oh, no. Oh, who's this ugly cunt? This is evil NWO referee Nick Patrick, who went on to be evil WCW referee Nick Patrick in the WWE. <laughs> he's evil, Dan. Paige has diamond cut Scott Hall, and that's why Kevin Nash is there smirking at the moment. And now Macho shaking Nick Patrick's hand, and this is just unfair. It's what the NWO is all about. Paige doesn't stand a chance. What's Macho going to do? Macho, what's he going to do? Slam DDP? Oh, but DDP turns it around. Bang! Oh. Diamond cutter on Savage. Out of nowhere, a diamond cutter. But can he get the cover now? Macho, <laughs> well, will Patrick count it? Well, I don't know. Can Paige get the cover of Macho? Looks like Nick is not going to count. Count, damn you. He's got the cover. One, two, three. Oh! And Nick Patrick calls it. <laughs> and DDP, one of the biggest victories of his life. And Kevin Nash can't believe it. Oh, no, we can see another free taken out. Nick Patrick saying he had no choice, Dan. Pin after the diamond car was quite delayed. Well, it took, yeah, about 15 seconds. That's how strong it was. But now, here come the rest of the MWO. Bischoff, and then it's a six. Ted DiBiase, and then you've got the big members like Scott Norton and Virgil. <laughs> Buff Bagwell. Oh, that's Vincent. Yeah, fake sting. And Kevin Ash still got hold of Nick Patrick as he's trying to wake up Macho Man. Kim- Savage is out cold, isn't he? <laughs> Kimberly needs to get DDP out of there. And I don't think you want to piss the MWO off when they always have the numbers advantage, Patrick. Exactly. All on the outside, looking to see what Kevin Nash is going to do. Of course, we know Kevin Nash is the leader at the moment. Oh, and a big <laughs> knee to Patrick. Gets him ready for the jackknife. Oh, fuck. Pow. Good night, Nick Patrick. So, in this match, we've already seen more offence. 
taken by referees than we did in the first two Hall of Fame matches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pedigree and a powerbomb. Oh, no, Macho. He's got Kimberly. No, no. Oh, my word. Look at the way he's grabbing her. And Even Miss... Bischoff's begging, with her, begging him not to do anything. Well, Miss Elizabeth's seen this before, hasn't she? Oh, my God. Just about to smack her. Oh, that's a step too far for Bischoff. You talk about him being a lunatic there. Macho, Macho man. man probably actually means to do this. Look at yeah. his fucking eyes. He looks like he's off his bonce. He is not with it. And poor Kimberly there. And Bischoff talking him out of it. Oh, my God. But getting pushed by Savage. Oh, Bischoff, though, to his credit, pushes back. Oh, oh. and the rest of the NWO in <laughs> to save Bischoff. Or to split the two up, at least. <sighs> and Randy Savage, and that's it. But... I mean, credit to Randy Savage. He looked like a maniac. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, he He's probably did. actually on something. But it's interesting, though, Dan, about who will be inducting DDP into the Hall of Fame, and we've just seen him there. Eric Bischoff will be inducting DDP, Dan. It's another choice that makes a lot of sense. As Bischoff and DDP both started in Hall of Famer Vern Gagne's AWA promotion, well before Page achieved his greatest fame, as someone who stood up to Easy e and the NWO in WCW. Which we've just seen, and admitting he's nervous about the honour for personal and poignant reasons, he'll share his speech at the Amway Centre in Orlando. Bischoff told WWE.com, I'm honoured it puts a smile on my face because I know how much it means to him. This is the holy grail for him. Seeing as Bischoff did come to work from a man after Vince bought the company Eric used to run and hasn't been too pointed in his criticism of WWE even while working as a producer and on-screen character for TNA. This one isn't nearly as shocking as Cornette's return. No, I'm not controversial, but Jim Cornette, man. I mean, fuck's sake. Yeah, I, I can't think of anybody else. And DDP certainly deserves to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, he, he definitely does. DDP deserves to go in there, doesn't he, you know? Jake the Snake and Scott Hall both got inducted thanks to DDP. DDP with his career in WCW and what he's done outside of it, like you say, a deserving inductee. Uh, before we have a little break halfway through, I, I had an idea about... you know Hall of got... Fame for pets. Yes, yes, indeed, Dan. Hall of Fame for pets, right? This is my idea. So you've got the celebrity wing, and then you have the Hall of Fame for pets. I mean, just to list three off the top of my head, you know, you've got... Well, you can list three, can't you? Frankie? Yes, Frankie, Coco Beware. Uh, Matilda, yes. which was uh, British Bulldog's dog. Yes. And Damien, which is Jake the Snake Robert's pet python. Exactly. You've got Winston as well, who came out with a British Bulldog for a while. You've got all these other... Famous pets, gone. Got uh, Santino's Cobra that could go into the Hall of Fame. Randy Orton, Randy Orton's Orton's the Viper. Viper. Pets, there's loads of pets. We just need to think. Anyway. Oh, what about Tori Wilson's puppies? Oh, she bought a yeah. puppy. Trish she? puppies. Trish, no, 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 no. She actually had a puppy on TV. You can, oh, did she? yeah, you can. <laughs> yeah, she actually did. Yeah, I mean, it's a great idea. You can do loads of stuff. Yeah, like that. I should know. We, we've seen three. Of the inductees, we've got three more. WWE like to give a few more awards out. I should say that I'm, I'm not going to concentrate on the who got the Warrior Award because uh, they'll explain it more in a day. But we have WC, WWE Legacy Awards. And basically, this is an easier way of getting fame who were famous throughout the history of wrestling.
So this year we've got uh, Judy Grable, one of the female stars of the 50s. She took her name from Betty Grable. She wasn't one of the top tier women in her era, but she was a legitimate star. Uh, Toots Mont. Mont was a former shooter who worked with Strangler Lewis and Billy Sandow in the 20s and controlled the word title for a time and bounced from place to place. He was Vincent Mann Sr.'s business partner and some of the wrestling brains behind the outfit in the 1960s. He was considered a very controversial person in the industry. Rick Odzan, the father of Japanese pro wrestling and easily the single most influential post wrestler in history. No wrestler was ever such a major cultural figure in both Japan and North Korea. On a cultural basis, he would be far closer to Muhammad Ali than Hulk Hogan. Farmer Burns, a world champion in the late 1800s. Burns was the coach and promoter of Frank Gotch, the first true superstar of pro wrestling and mainstream sports figures. Luther Lindsay, noted shooter. He was a star, but not a major star. Like major Art star. Thomas, that's what he was. Uh, like Art Thomas, this is what he is. Dr. Jerry Graham, Vincent Mann's childhood favourite pro wrestler. The Graham brothers, Jerry and Eddie, who were not brothers, versus Argentine Rocker and Miguel Perez was a huge program in MSG. The Doc was a colourful figure whose problems with alcohol prematurely ended a run that should have had a lot left. Vincent Mann and his father tried to bring him back a few times, but it never worked out. June Byers. Byers claimed the women's world title from 1953 to 1964. Although there were other claimants, most of her era considered her the best of the women wrestlers after the retirement of Mildred Burke. Haystacks Calhoun. Billed at 450, Calhoun was a great touring attraction in pro wrestling. Similar to what Andre the Giant later would be, but not on the same level as Andre. So there we go. There's our Legacy Awards. Like we say, there'll be one more award, which will be the uh, Warrior Award. That's been given to an American football player, but I'm not going to concentrate on that because we just talked about the wrestling and we are halfway through and we've got three more. So let's move on. So the next person inducted into the Hall of Fame is Beth Phoenix, Dan. Beth Phoenix, one of the most dominant female competitors in sports entertainment. Phoenix first arrived in the WWE in 2006, brutalising Mickey James and aligning herself with fellow WWE Hall of Famer Trish Stratus. Unfortunately, a jaw injury forced Phoenix to the sidelines just weeks after her debut. She returned to Monday Night Raw more than a year later, ready to dominate the competition. Possessing great beauty and power, Phoenix dubbed herself the Glamazon and went right to work. Within months of her return to WWE, Phoenix captured the Women's Championship and dominated the division for months, muscling around the competition with ease before planting opponents face-first into the canvas with her patented glam slam. She was part of an unlikely yet infamous power couple with Santino Morella. The duo, gloved Glamorella, found great success 
often in spite of the wacky antics of the Milan miracle. In fact, it was Phoenix who won herself a second women's championship and Morella the Intercontinental title in a winner-take-all tag team match at SummerSlam 2008. Yes, yeah, so let's watch. We are at SummerSlam 2008, main evented by Edge versus Undertaker and Hell in a Cell. But we're going to watch something even more horrific. And it is the women's, for the first time, first and only time that I can remember, the women's championship and the Intercontinental title on the line in the same match. Intergender, of course, so Santina can't walk out the uh, women's champion. So, but Mickey James coming out as women's champion, and we've seen a crew of renaissance of her of recently, haven't we? Yeah, you know, she's recently come to life. Her partner is now a member of the New Day, who actually found some success and has stayed with WWE, the Intercontinental Champion Kofi Kingston. Do you remember Kofi when he was like this? Yeah, <laughs> you know, he was quite energetic. SOS, you hear me calling? SOS, Kofi Kingston on my WWE SmackDown versus Raw 2010 was world champion for a year until The Undertaker turned heel at WrestleMania thanks to Kane and Second Undertaker. Wow. Yeah, I know. Fact. Everybody listening, that's a fact. But no, Kofi and Mickey James teaming up against this team. I mean, what do you think of Beth Phoenix? I mean, the Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, the glamour's and she had Quite an impressive career as a women's competitor. You know, taken less seriously when she was teaming with more of a comedy act in Santino Morella. Yeah, and so I'm just, I'm laughing at Santino. He does make me laugh. I mean, I, I know people say there's no need for comedy in wrestling. But with Santino, I saw him watch WrestleMania the other day with him uh, power walking to the ring as well. And I forget how stupid he is. At this point in time, the monobrow... But of course, you've got to remember Santino Morella beat Umaga for the Intercontinental title as well. He did indeed, yes. Um, <laughs> teaming with the Glamazon. Yeah, we know who wore the trousers in this relationship. <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> it was, you know, quite a comedic couple, as odd as it may have been. I think, yeah, everybody beats Morella in this one. And, and Beth saying um, to Morella. Beth beats everyone. Yeah. <laughs> but we start off with Mickey James, Beth Phoenix. Oh, Mickey trying to take down Beth. But Beth too powerful and just picking her up and throwing her off. Well, should we talk about it now then? Because it's incredible to think Edge and Beth Phoenix are together, isn't it? You know, I'm not saying Beth Phoenix is an ugly woman. I'm well, not I think she's it. quite fit, to be fair. Well, but Edge is uh, for me. Edge for Edge, you know. But you know, what I mean, like he's always. Oh, he could do. I mean, he's with Lita. Don't get me wrong, but I thought Beth Phoenix. He's actually, you know, got kids now and stuff. I mean, if they're happy, all fair. You know, all fair play to him. You know, but. Usually when a wrestler, uh, you know, wrestling, dating other wrestlers doesn't usually work unless you're paid and you're just trying everyone on the roster. <laughs> but oh. this intergender change-up now and it's Mickey James going against Santino Morello and he's not holding back against a woman. No, but he's still getting his ass. She tags in Kofi and that's a beautiful spring in by Kofi. Now the drop kick. Santino just can't handle the pace of this Jamaican slash African superstar. Uh, but half of these guys from nine years ago still on the WWE roster. Yeah, you know, is the tag teaming of uh, James and Kingston. Yeah, Mickey. Oh! From behind on Phoenix there, taking her off the apron. I think she's blaming Santino for uh, kind of distracting her. And is Kingston going to go flying? Oh, and he jumps into Beth Phoenix's arms like a screaming girl. <laughs> That's one way to stop a high-flying manoeuvre, isn't it? Jumping jump in the into arms. a woman's arms. Yeah, jumping into Beth Phoenix's arms. Oh, and Santino hangs Kofi up on that top rope. Goes for the cover. Oh. And now Santino elbows to the back of Kofi's head. Stop the attack. It weren't like Santino there. Poked to the eyes. It did indeed. And it's now Beth Phoenix going against Kingston. 
<laughs> working him down. Beth is going to take out Kingston. Look at that, working away. Tagging Morella back in. Fair play to Beth Phoenix. She's calling it at the moment, isn't she? A lovely snap sooner. Oh, but only a two count. Two. But can he win the Intercontinental title and the Women's Championship for his woman? Now Santina wearing down uh, Kofi. Kofi's got the submission and now takes Santino down. Manages to get the tag to Phoenix low. Oh, and Mickey James tags herself in, goes low on Phoenix and then slides under her legs to get into the ring. Mickey James, though, big forearm to Phoenix. And then a huge clothesline taking her down. Irish rip attempt, no reversed. Oh, oh. but James taking down Beth Phoenix. Morella trying to get in, but getting stopped in his tracks by Mickey. Oh, and a big elbow there to uh, Beth Phoenix as she was running in towards James in the corner. James managing a head scissors takedown. Is she going to finish this? Oh, she looks like she's going up. Biggest blockbuster of the summer trying to finish. Going for the Lufez press off the top. Oh. But Santino in to save the day. She rolls through and gives Morella a big right hand. Oh. Who low bridges the oncoming Kingston. He went flying out the ring and now Mickey's facing Santino. He's got him up. Oh, and spikes Santino with that lovely DDT. Well, huge all, but Beth Phoenix from behind. And now she's going to pick Mickey up. Setting her up for the glam slam. Oh, she's got Mickey. Hits it. Slams her down. Go for the pin. One. One. Two, three. <laughs> I think Beth Phoenix could have pinned Kofi Kingston with that move and been Intercontinental Champion. But regardless, Phoenix does get the win. And she gets the Intercontinental title for a man. And she gets the Women's Championship for herself. And that is Hall of Fame, Beth Phoenix. I mean, what do you think of the match, Dan? It wasn't as terrible as I thought it would have been, but, you know. Great, was it? No, but I think for, for Santino... He'd been beaten up by women most of the match, and now he <laughs> realises he is at the kind of champion, and he's <laughs> celebrating as well. It was a good relationship because it made the woman look strong, didn't it? And it was the guy who was the idiot. Yes. Santina yeah. played it well. Uh, but that is Beth Phoenix in, <laughs> in 2008. And what happened after this, Dan? Phoenix went on to capture the Women's Championship once more, as well as the Divas Championship, before stepping away from the ring in 2012. On top of her championship glory, the Glamazon was a pioneer, showing what we inside the squared circle. Yeah, and Phoenix was the second woman ever to enter the Royal Rumble match, eliminating the towering great Carly in the 2010 edition of the 30 superstar over-the-top rope melee. Didn't she get hit with a GTS by CM Punk in that match? Yeah, she wasn't afraid to throw down in a hardcore match either and took part in the first ever, first ever tables match to feature women at the WWE TLC 2010. And now, Beth Phoenix is blazing a trail towards sports entertainment immortality as she enters the Hall of Fame. The girlhood dream has come true. And the person inducting her into the Hall of Fame is none other than her best friend, Natalia. And uh, that makes sense because they used to team up, didn't they? Oh, yeah, they did, didn't they? They did, and they're best friends as well. Beth Phoenix tweeted about Natalia. She's the best friend that ever was, is, is and ever will be. So uh, it'll be good to see. But we move on. Up next, it will be the ravishing one, Rick Rude into the Hall of Fame.
It's the ultimate honour for a man who's trekked to worldwide stardom began in Robbinsdale, Minnesota, a town that produced a talented generation of wrestlers, including fellow WWE Hall of Famer, Mr. Perfect, Smash of Demolition, no, Nikita Koloff. A powerful man, Rude was a bouncer in Minneapolis alongside the Road Warriors, in addition to being a world-class arm wrestler. Yet, he first entered the squared circle, he also realised that he may have been one of the best in the industry. At 6 foot 2, 252 pound, and possessing the chiselled physique of a Greek god, the assumption wasn't wrong calling himself Ravishing Rick Rude. He embraced his gifts and, and revelled in the spotlight, flexing his bulging biceps and su- suggestively swivelling his hips at every opportunity to the, to the delight of the women across the country. Rude journey from Memphis to Canada, Georgia to Texas, and racking up championships along the way. He emerged on the national scene in the mid-1980s in world-class championship wrestling, where he became the promotion's first world champion. He moved on to Jim Crockett Promotions, where he formed a truly awesome tag team with Raging Bull Manny Fernandez and captured the NWA World Tag Team titles. The Ravishing One truly broke out after arriving in WWE in late 1987. However, Rude would immediately grab the microphone, then berate the WWE Universe for not being in as good shape as him, while offering women the chance to take a few snapshots of incredible physique. But once the bell rang, Rude backed up his braggadocio with a ruthless in-ring style that showed off his power and the vicious striking ability he had picked up as a bouncer. It was all capped off with a devastating neckbreaker, Rude Awakening. With Bobby the Brain Heenan in his corner, Rude was a success from the start, though his womanising ways got him in trouble with Jake the Snake Roberts after making a move on the snake's wife. Rude, shout, Rude showed off his penchant for mind games wearing the tights with Miss Roberts' face airbrushed on them. The ravishing one went on to face the ultimate warrior for the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania 5 in 1989. And let's watch that match right now. So we are at WrestleMania 5, 1989. We see Grilla Monsoon and, of course... Jesse the Body Ventura on commentary, and we're just getting a little uh, recap of how this rivalry began. And they had a, um, a pose off at the Rumble. Who's got better physique, the Ultimate Warrior or Rick Rude, Dan? I don't know, probably Warrior. He's just an insane fucker. Well, Bobby Heenan space out in his face, and then Rude hitting from behind with a bit of uh, gym equipment. I'm not an expert in gym equipment. Looks like one of those things you bend. And he's choking out the Warrior with whatever implement he's got in his hands. And, and now he's that. posing yeah. over the Warriors' limp body. And then when the Warriors trying to be helped out. Oh! <laughs> he goes crazy and Perfect takes out rules. everyone around him. <laughs> clears the ring of everyone in sight. And now goes to hunt down ravishing Rick Rude. Doesn't get any better, does it? Bobby Heenan bringing you out. And Rick Rude here at WrestleMania 5 looking... Well, another moustache. I mean, I've got, to, I've got to reference it again. I mean, 80s there. Moustache boom, as it was. Coming out with Bobby Heenan, one of the greatest managers of all time as well, Dan. He was definitely, indeed, one of the greatest talkers. And, yeah, if he could have anyone in your corner, Bobby the Brain. Exactly. And some of the women in attendance are happy that slick Rick Rude is coming out here. Well, we're going to see Rick Rude take his robe off now as well. And the women there with their cameras ready. Making his way down to the ring in two and a half seconds flat. The flying Ultimate Warrior. Oh, we started already. The Warriors come out here. And he went to kick 
The Albert Warrior, but he had the title belt there, didn't he? Well, he had the title belt round his race, and Rick <coughs> and Rick Rude got nothing but belt. Yeah, like you say, Rick Rude's got the icy title belt around his waist, well, airbrushed onto his tights. Rick Rude has got some really skinny fucking legs for a chiselled man. Yeah, he has, and, but look at the power of Albert Warrior. Just throwing him into the corner, stopping Rude's onslaught. And that's how good Rude was. Look at him selling like that as well, going back the way he is, taking bumps for the big man. And Albert Warrior picking Rude up again. Just throwing Rude into the corner now, like he's... I think the Warrior's slightly bigger than Rude, actually. <laughs> slightly bigger and in control of this match right now. Not Irish... in control of his senses, though. No, but Irish whipping Rick Rude. Just throwing him across the ring, beating his chest like a big gorilla. I was a big fan of the Albert Warrior. I Were just loved you? his energy, yeah. I loved him. Well, um, you know, it maybe I was, I was a bit later to the party I suppose so I don't know about the Warrior what I've seen of him I can't understand why people liked him but I mean he wasn't the best wrestler was he oh no he certainly wasn't but you know he's he was just the Warrior wasn't he it was just his <laughs> energy and the way he was he loved his little Warriors why am I Warrior yeah he wasn't great on the mic either he was difficult to work with apparently but apart from that I loved him yeah exactly no the old Warrior I can yeah but it was why. like you, you know, what is that. this? This is like the early 90s. Look, exactly. no, this is 1989. 89. So I was like a four-year-old boy. I wasn't really watching it then. I suppose I was probably watching it a couple of years later when Warrior wasn't so green, shall we yes, say. Yes, when he'd just been world champion. And I like to say, when you're a young kid as well, you don't care about, you know, outside politics or anything like that. What you care about is like the old Warrior getting his head taken off there by a Rick Rude dropkick. Can he get him pinned? And completely no-selling, pushing <laughs> out before the referee had even hit one, I believe. Uh, there was no count. The gorilla press slam to finish off his opponent. Well, the Warrior at the moment, <laughs> like I say. Just completely dominating Rick Rude. Powerful scoop slam there by the big man Warrior. Bear hug there, the second of the match for Warrior. Oh, and he's got Rick Rude in trouble. And what's Heenan doing? Searching in his pocket for... Is he playing with his nuts? Yes, maybe his brass nuts. And the Warrior there just bear hugging the life out of Rick Rude. Well, referee counting the arm. But the bear hug cinching deep. What can Rick Rude do? The hand's coming down for the third time. No. He's fighting oh, it. Rude managing to fight. And is he biting the Warriors' head? He is. He's fighting and biting, Dan. Getting out of it somehow. But Warrior biting Rude back. I mean, you don't bite the crazy ultimate Warrior and get away with that. No, you don't bite the hand that feeds you. And now, oh. And a big back body drop there to Rude. I mean, the trouble here. Oh, my God. And the Warrior bouncing up a ring rope botch. Going for the big slam. But Rude getting his knees up. Rude blocking it. Oh, seated pole driver. And can he get the cover? No, mate, might be too hurt. Crawling over. Come on, Rude. One, two. Oh, but Warrior managing to get his shoulder up at two. Two. I've got another guy, a wrestler called Rude, haven't I? Because <laughs> <laughs> Rick Rude's not going to be the only Rude inducted into the Hall of Fame, of course. Oh, but Rick Rude there with a chin breaker. And now he's trying to swivel those hips, but he is injured. He's caught up in that power of the Elmer Warrior then, wasn't he? He was indeed, and not many men can match the power of the ultimate warrior. And Rude's just trying to match that Irish whipping warrior, catching him with a clothesline, trying to go for the pin. I don't Two. think that's going to get the... Oh. No. The warrior there managing to kick out. Oh. Like I say, didn't think that was going to be enough to keep the warrior down, if he's going to keep him down at all. 
The but Donald is in the crowd. Yes. Front row he is. You can see him right there. There he is. Side Russian leg sweep there by Rude. I mean, he was quite a technician in the ring. Oh, he was indeed as Warwick kicks out. Oh. Yeah, Rick Rude, very underrated wrestler. Of course, it's the, it's the way he's deaf, you know, a young guy with the drugs and stuff like this, that WWE didn't really want to do it. But it's nice they can go back now and look at his career and appreciate him for that, I suppose. As we are at WrestleMania 5, Trump Plaza, and like you say, the President of the United States watching on. At the moment, he's got a view of the referee's ass as the Warrior now is trying to fight back from this submission. But the Warrior there managing to get to the <laughs> ring ropes and start shaking them in true Warrior fashion. And when he starts doing this, James... You want to start worrying. Well, Rick Rude is worrying now. Oh, oh throws off Rick Rude with ease after warrioring up. Rude oh. going for the clothesline, but Warrior ducking it in a big shoulder tackle. And now the Ultimate Warrior feeling it. Beating his chest. <laughs> We're going to see the Gorilla Press. Oh. oh, no, he slams Rude's face into the mat. And Rick Rude's in serious oh, trouble. Goes for it again. <laughs> the Warrior's certainly fired up now. A backbreaker there to Rude. Warrior nearly stumbling out the ring, but managing to regain it. Irish whip and a big clothesline to Rude. This is going to be over very soon, James. It is. He's, he's in big trouble here. As the old Warrior just growing more and more into this match. Oh, throws Rude into the turnbuckle. Big shoulder barge there, pushing Rude back into the corner. Oh, Warrior went for the big slam in the corner. As now the face paint of the Warriors kind of fades away in the heat of the battle. And now is Rick Rude going to try and go for the net breaker? Is it the Rude Awakening? Oh, but the Warrior powering out. Oh my God, no one has ever powered out of this move ever before. The strength of the Warrior though. And all these wires. Oh, going to go for clothesline. Fucking oh, hell. brutal short arm clothesline there by the Warrior. Following Rude to the outside. Well, Rick Rude's in a bit of trouble. And the Warrior now throws Rude back in. A lot longer match than I anticipated in this one, though. It is a lot longer. And Warrior again using the top rope to Hulk himself up, to Warrior himself up. Hey, yeah, it's a gimmick infringement. Clotheslines him to the outside. Oh, but Rude managed to spin round and hit the apron. It's not really good to do that, Rude. You're going to have more trouble. And now the Warrior going to try and suplex Rick Rude in. Oh, but Heenan holding the Warrior's leg. One, two, three. Yes. We have a new... Rude stole a victory. Not only that, his title. Rick Rude, the new champion here. The old Warrior can't believe what's just happened. And now Heenan trying to make a run He's more worried about Bobby Heenan than actually losing his title. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Now Bobby the Brain scampering into the ring. Oh, Bobby tripped. Oh... He's in a corner with nowhere to go. Oh, Rude scampering away yeah. with his title. Well, yeah, he's got what he wanted. And in two matches, we've seen the Intercontinental title ha- change hand twice. And a gorilla <laughs> press slam there from Warrior. Manager. Oh, my God. Oh, and Heenan landing horribly there. And Bobby needs to go to the hospital. And oh. that Warrior's just realised he's lost his title and he's going to go and chase Rude down for it. Well, Rick Rude's slowly walking away. Now he realises. <laughs> sees a Warrior coming. He's like, fuck that. <laughs> But that is Rick Rude winning the Intercontinental title here, beating the Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania 5. Dan, what do you think of the match? Fun enough, wasn't it? I it like was it. a fun match. In the exactly. end, you know, it was, of the 89s, it was a good match. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All the 89s. No, but like you say, it's, uh, Warrior didn't lose that often. And to lose in that way with Heed and shenanigans, Rude managed to get the title. 
Uh, I, I think that was quite entertaining. And like we say, uh, after he waged after after he after WrestleMania five, he waged war uh, with the likes of Rowdy Roddy Piper and the Big Boss Man before exiting WWE in nineteen ninety. Uh, Rude made his way to WCW in nineteen ninety one, quickly becoming the centerpiece of Paul Heyman's Dangerous Alliance. The ravishing one slightly toned down the womanizing, instead opting to show off just how dangerous he could be in the ring. He didn't just sting and capture the United States Championship within his first month in WCW. Then went on to take part in rivalries with the likes of Steamboat, Ric Flair, Ron Simmons and Vader, before a back injury forced him into retirement. But Rude re-emerged in 1997, showing up as an announcer in ECW before coming back to WWE as the stoic insurance policy of Generation X. Later that year, he returned to WCW, joining a famous New World Order. Rude remained with WCW until early 1999, leaving shortly before his untimely death later that spring. Because of his reputation as one of the ring's most memorable villains, Ravishing Rick Rude has more than earned his spot in the WWE Hall of Fame. Rude will be inducted by one of his great rivals, the 2009 inductee Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. The two locked horns several times in WWE in the late 1980s, including a memorable bout that kicked off the first ever Royal Rumble event in 1988. However, their rivalry reached its boiling point in the early 90s in WCW, with Rude as a centrepiece of Heyman's nefarious dangerous alliance the dragon one of the most heroic competitors ever was one of the first to stand up to the villainous faction steamboat zeroed in on rude the reigning united states champion in a series of matches that thrilled wcw fans their rivalry came to a head at beach blast 92 in a grueling 30 minute wcw iron man match where steamboat eked out a narrow full free victory in the waning moments of the battle so that's about Ricky Steamboat inducting Rick Rude in. With Rick Rude, he does deserve to be in there because not many people in 1997 can say they were on EC on Raw and on Nitro as well in D-Generation X and the NWO, you know? Yeah, you know, there's not many wrestlers that can say they was in both of the biggest stables ever. Exactly, and if it wasn't for the back injury that he did, you know, he retired from, then, you know, he would have carried on wrestling as well because he had the look, didn't he? And he was good to get a passable match from the Ultimate Warrior. I think it's good. So we move on and our last person going in is our headline act. It is Kurt Angle. What is there to say about him? One of the greatest wrestlers of his or any generation. We've got an Angle special coming at the end of the month. So now let's focus on Angle's last year in WWE, Dan. Yes, on May 29th, 2006, Angle was drafted to the newly created ECW brand. It was during this time he acquired the nickname The Wrestling Machine, wherein a mouth guard and quickly squashing opponent. Upon coming to ECW, he issued an open challenge for One Night Stand, which was accepted by Randy Orton. Let's watch now. Kurt Angle versus Randy Orton from 2006. Hey, nothing you can say. 
Well, he's getting a lot of middle fingers. If, well, they think he's number one here. And he's getting pushed and punched from little kids either side as well. And he dares him to do it again. <laughs> well, a few fuck yous and a few middle fingers thrown in. What do you think Randy Orton looks like, though? Titan ripped. Titan ripped. <laughs> this is a year after he lost to the Undertaker at WrestleMania, of course, we saw last week. It's weird how young Randy Orton looks, and this is Kurt Angle's last couple of months in WWE, isn't it? You know? Yeah. RKO out of nowhere. He's hit that move on so many wrestlers. He has, and he did to Kurt Angle to accept the challenge here tonight. They like him. What's hilarious is that they boo him, but if he was an ECW originally, they would have fucking, you know what I mean? They would have sucked his dick. Paul Heyman would have loved to have someone like Randy Orton. They would have been queuing up to suck yeah. his dick. Uh, and the interesting thing with Kurt Angles, you see him coming out, is that a previous year at uh, One Night Stand 2005, he led the SmackDown crew of people because he hated ECW. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And he was a part in that melee. And also back in 96, we've, we've seen it before, the crucifixion angle. Yeah. Angle himself didn't want to part be a part of ECW, so this is what hilarious. But anyway, Kurt Angle's entrance. That was an extra long start. Yeah, CD was on skip. They love him, don't they? Yeah. And he calls ECW his home, and he's got ECW on his gum shirt. Exactly. A month in, he had Kurt Angle there. He went away. The next big person they tried to bring over to do ECW was Chris Benoit, being chosen as the face of ECW. I mean, just look at Bobby Lashley and CM Punk now. Both doing well. Test. Biggie Langston. Biggie Langston. Christian. Ezekiel Jackson, the last ever ECW champion, of course. Well, had jo- to retire. John Morrison. <laughs> There's only one former ECW champ probably still about. So the fans chanting, fuck him up, Angle, fuck him up. Dan, are you looking forward to Well, it's a silly question. Of course, it's going to be a good match. Yeah. You've got one of the greatest of all time. Going against of- Kurt Angle. Ah. You've got a former Olympic gold medalist. Going against the greatest of all time. Oh, well. <laughs> in my eyes, Angle is really up there with greatest of all times. I mean, we're going to talk about more the Angle special, but to, he's someone that does deserve to be, you know, asked into the Hall of Fame. And I do hope he can come back and wrestle at least a couple of matches because I think he deserves to have his last match inside the WWE ring, Daniel. Don't what you think? Yeah, definitely. I'd like to see him in. You know, I'd like to see him have a couple more matches before going into the Hall of Fame. You know, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it now, but, you know, him wrestling as a Hall of Famer kind of takes some of the sting out of his tail, don't you think? Well, a bit like Sting. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You know, I think with Kurt Angle, to say you're a Hall of Famer and then have someone, you know, like, who can beat me, maybe the victory might seem a little bit more for... Because you've got to remember that this has been 11 years since he's been away. So maybe there are fans who have come through G- John Cena and Randy Orton who've no idea who Kurt Angle is. So they've got to try and show them who he was, you know, and that's what we're trying to do as well with matches like this. Oh, yeah, Kurt Angle's definitely out there with one of the greatest in-ring abilities. Yes. I mean, some of yeah. the classic matches he had against, like, you know, Chris Benoit, who they matched for, you know, move for move in a lot of matches. Even going against like bigger competitors like Brock Lesnar. Yes, uh, he brought the best out of these, didn't he? You know, like Brock Lesnar, HBK, HBK, brilliant match, Guerrero, Angle trying to go for the ankle lock early on, Orton blocking it, and now Angle's got the side headlock. They can say "fuck you, Orton," but they can't say "WWF." <laughs> yes. Yeah, oh, and Angle taking him down again. Maybe out wrestling the legend killer at this point. Exactly. Uh, Orton's still new to this point, and then again. <laughs> then again, then again. But then again, Kurt Angle's only been wrestling seven years, you know, six years. And when did he start? 
2000? Debuted in late 99, so basically, yeah, from yeah, 2000 or, onwards. 2002, so, yeah. you know, it was only two years. Angle obviously had a background of Olympic wrestling, you know, he won gold medal in yes. 96, as everyone knows. But he took to it so well and, you know, got used to it, and he, he made that jump so quickly, you know, in the first year, coming in, becoming W champion, and unlike maybe Randy Orton, who after the initial success kind of went back down to mid-card. Angle stayed as a top guy until, like we say, his last appearances in the WWE. Oh, and Angle there. Well, like we say, the wrestling machine and the maybe the kind of nice-cut Angle we've seen before. This is a completely different style to him, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's wrestling, but with, obviously, an extreme edge to it. Well, talk about extreme edges if you see him slapping Orton's back. We know, we know how good Angle was. Do you think if UFC was as big, maybe in 99, 2000, as it is today... Angle either could have gone to UFC or would have had success there. He might have gone there, you know, because someone, for someone who's won it all, but, you know, wrestling, Matt wrestling is quite a lot different to UFC wrestling, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, you'd have to learn the styles, but I mean, if you picked up professional wrestling, so like a submission style, yeah. then, yeah. Maybe with MMA, you would have picked up different styles. There's a lot of talk about Angle wanting to do it, but I think, obviously, at this point, you know, too broken and beaten to do it. There's a very uh, famous story, infamous story even, him and Lesnar, when Lesnar first got to the main roster, those two wrestling behind closed doors to a select group of people to see who would come out on top. Do you know who won that one? Angle. Angle did. And then we, of course, had the Angle-Daniel Puder incident as well, didn't we? We are a tough enough guy, and he said to Daniel, put me in submission, I'll get out of it. And then what happened? <laughs> he didn't get out of it. No, he had to... He uh, tapped out. Yeah. He had to base in a position where he could referee could pin him even though he didn't, that kind of embarrassed angle. And this has happened This has happened before this point. So, And now he's basically talking Orton, isn't he? Saying, um, go on, put me in a headlock. Yeah. And Angle's just quickly getting out of it. Orton's getting frustrated. Oh, and Angle there delivering a suplex. Again, creating separation. And Angle's crazy, fool. But he doesn't look in bad shape, does he? No. I mean, he did look in quite bad shape when he was in it, uh, TNO. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how he grew his all his hair out, didn't he? Yeah, great it looked hair. like an old. It looked like a, you know, the weird uncle you have at weddings. Oh, oh! But throwing Orton into the corner, going for a shoulder barge there, and Orton moving out of the way, and Angle getting nothing but ring post. Oh, and now can Orton <laughs> get back in this match after being beaten up? Now the vast majority of it, we can confirm that both of these men were on performance enhancing drugs at this time as well. That's what they both got suspended for. Randy Orton, I mean, using the punches that. Like you said, you can't ha- can't hang with Angle Kenny wrestling wise. What's Orton have to do in this one? Uh, he just has to use his uh, legend killing ability and kill the legend of Kurt Angle. <laughs> oh, he just got caught there with a double leg takedown. He's been taught a lesson here tonight, as I say that. Like Orton reverses. Oh yeah, lovely reversal of an Irish rip and a big back elbow there to Angle. I mean, again, you know, earlier this year he went toe to toe with the Undertaker, scheduled to beat him last year. So you know, he has had some big impact ma- uh, matches. But in this kind of lion's den environment, you know, Kurt Angle's new home with this crowd on your back as well. Can Orton handle the pressure here tonight? And at the moment, I would say yes. Yes, yes, he can. Yeah. He needs to not get frustrated with Angle out wrestling him and, you know, escaping from his submission holds, even though Randy doesn't generally use submission holds. Exactly, yeah. I mean, Orton's style is a bit chaotic in that way, isn't it? You know, you're never sure what he's going to hit. He had Angle in a submission, and then Angle, just with the, the greatest of ease, just slipped into a back submission and a pin. Ooh. Oh, 
before, but only getting a two. Two. Are you surprised with the amount of wrestling we've seen on this in this match? No, not really. You know, it's a very good wrestling match if it involves Kurt Angle, whether you're on the receiving end or the giving end. Kurt Angle, the way he's wrestling in this match, would be a perfect match-up for Brock Lesnar now, wouldn't he? Yeah, definitely. You know, that type of style. There. It would really turn into a kind of wrestling MMA match. And Orton, like, biting the uh, hand of Angle, trying to get out of submission. Oh, and does. Tries to get a side headlock on Angle. Can he escape that? Dragging him round, taunting the ECW fans. <laughs> I mean, you don't want to do that in a hostile no. environment. And, of course, the main event of ECW this year would be Cena vs. RVD. And one of the greatest signs ever created by the fans is, is here now. I just saw it on the left-hand side. John Cena rules. You know, if John Cena wins, we riot. That has actually gone on to become quite famous, hasn't it? It has, it has. It's one of those signs. The fans are so clever. <laughs> That's smart fans there. That's why they originally were called They called it early. Fans. And the hatred for the WWE superstars here tonight, like Randy Orton and John Cena... Jerry the King Laura, of course. But can certainly in a away environment. Exactly. But can Angle get out of this? Oh, he's going to go try to hit suplex, but Orton managed to first out. Make that twice now. Go for the... Oh, and the Irish rip to the corner. Angle charging in, but getting caught in a German. And Orton, yeah, goes flying across the ring. Fans happy about that now. Can Angle get back up? Both men back to their feet now. What can Orton do to take advantage of this? Oh, both men exchanging uppercuts in the middle of the ring, going toe-to-toe. I don't know who's got the advantage here. Neither man. Orton go for the punches. Angle ducks and come at Orton from behind. <coughs> Angle ducks and comes at Orton from behind. Got on clothesline takedown there for Angle on Orton. Going for the hat trick of Germans, perhaps. Well, there's one. There's two. Two. Third time lucky. Turns Orton upside down and the strap's going to come down. Well, that's when we know he means business. Fans loving it at the moment. Strap saying up thus far. Going for the angle slam, maybe. Come on, get up. That's what he's saying. Oh, angle slam. Oh, but Orton, I'm dragged takedown. That would have been lovely if he'd RKO'd him out of nowhere and that. <laughs> that would have been lovely. <laughs> that would have been lovely. That would have been oh. good. An angle comes valley back in. Orton stops him with a lovely drop kick. The elevation of Orton. It was beautiful. Right on the button. And now going for the cover. One, two. Oh, getting angle from behind. I don't think you want to exchange <laughs> submission moves with angle, but. Oh, no, he's going to go for that backbreaker, is he? Oh, but no. Angle elevates him and gets out of here with a nice back suplex. Oh, no. Straps are coming down. And the straps come down. Angle means business. He's staring intently at Orton there. Got the angle slam. Up. Oh. Plants Orton with the angle slam. One, One, two. two. Oh. Oh. But Randy Orton not going down like that. And unlike many others who have been pinned to that manoeuvre, Randy Orton manages to kick out oh but now angle puts his foot on autumn's foot and puts him in ankle and now it's time it's time it's angle time it's time to tap and but Orton had that move well scouted rolls through throws angle into the bottom to, uh, to the middle turnbuckle oh and we know angles had documented neck problems before and Orton with that whip taking him down on his neck going for the cover but Angle managing to lift his shoulder at two. Two. And you can't keep a good angle down. And Orton now is going to look for the RKO to try and finish this. When the fist hits the mat, you know that is that. Oh, going for it. Oh, but Angle pushing him off into the top turnbuckle. But running into a big back elbow from Orton. Orton had it scouted, but now he's going to the top. Could this be a mistake? Well, Orton very rarely goes up top. 
And this just shows why Angle goes to meet him, but he manages to fend off his early onslaught. But now Orton to the top is going to hit a big crossbody. Oh, Ooh. nails Angle, but he rolls through with the cover. Two. Gets yeah. caught with a close on there from Orton, who's quite embarrassed at getting rolled up after he'd administered the crossbody two cut angle. Exactly, getting caught in your own moves, the worst way to go. But now he's got Angle in a perfect position. Angle in serious trouble now. Oh, but drops Orton to the deck, picks the ankle, oh, but, but Orton, Orton rolls him up. Angle there, close, but managing to kick out. Oh, Angle's got the angle lock on now. And the grapevine. <laughs> oh, Orton's nowhere to go. Orton's in trouble. <laughs> Thrashing uh, about like a viper, but eventually tapping to Angle. Taps out. Oh, my. What do you think of that match? No, it was quite a good match between the two. You know, very good wrestling match. Angle definitely out-wrestled Orton, but, you know, he was in terms of wrestling. Yes, he is a better wrestler in terms of wrestling. Not a bad match, more Matt game-based. And I think when it comes to that, Angle will always win. And just Angle showing the diversity of what he can do. You know, he plays six different characters. He can play the wrestling machine. He can play the killer. He can play the joker. He can play, the you know, everything that we've seen that Angle do and everything that hopefully we're going to see Angle do again. Angle faced Orton again at Vengeance. And another huge announcement, a late, latest edition, uh, we're going to say right now, at the Kurt Angle special, we already announced one match that we got an exclusive. We'll be watching the rematch between Angle and Randy Orton from Vengeance 2007 as well, Dan. Angle appeared sporadically on WWE television throughout mid-2006. On August 25th, 2006, Angle was granted an early release for his WWE contract because of health reasons. Angle stated in the Kurt Angle Champion documentary DVD that he asked for his release because he could not take time off and was working hurt, severely on some occasions. He also stated that when he quit, WWE lost their top talent as he was at the very top of payroll. Angle wrestled his last match at an ECW taping on August the 8th against Sabu. But like you say, out of all the guys going to the Hall of Fame this year, Kurt Angle is, is the first, you know, is the headline act without any doubt in my mind. And it will be great to see his Hall of Fame speech. Yeah, so that is Kurt Angle. But who's inducting Kurt Angle into the Hall of Fame? Ba, ba, da, ba. WWE announced that John Cena will induct Kurt Angle into this year's Hall of Fame. Cena was one of four choices that Angle had beating out Steve Austin, The Undertaker, and Brock Lesnar for the gig. Of course, both Undertaker and Lesnar probably wouldn't have done it if they were asked to. Kurt Angle recently spoke with Fox Sports, where he gave his reaction to Cena being chosen to induct him into this year's fame. John, you know, I was the first match when he started in WWE, and I knew right then he was going to be very special. I also know that this kid was going to give me a rough time being the top guy in the company. Because at the time, I was one of the top guys. I would say myself and Triple H. <laughs> and to have this young kid come up and the company asked me to teach him a little bit. It was like, wait a minute, I'm teaching this kid to take my spot? But John was really good. He was a great student, a great learner. I mean, look what he's done. I can't even take any credit for it. John is a 16-time WWE World Heavyweight Champion. And no one's ever done that. Ric Flair has 16 titles, but they're not all in WWE. And he truly deserves his spot in this year's WWE Hall of Fame class. Yes, he does. And of course, we will have the Kurt Angle special as well. But that is us for the Hall of Fame. That is the Hall of Fame class of 2017. 
Does that really take a bow? So that is the Hall of Fame class 2017. A particular strong year, I find. Uh, I think everybody deserves to go in there this year. There's no weird celebrity ones. And even Legacy Wars are all right. Don't forget, though, that this is the start of a huge drum for us now. As everybody's listening to this now. A day before the Hall of Fame ceremony. But don't forget, on Saturday night, before NXT TakeOver, we have episode 95, the WWE Network Review, looking at NXT 205 Live, all the latest news goings on in the WWE. And then, of course, Saturday night is NXT TakeOver. We'll be watching, as we always do, live, Dan. Looking forward to Nakamura versus Bobby Roode 2. Cool Sunday night, WrestleMania 33. Uh, Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg. For the Universal title, plus a lot more. <laughs> a lot more, yeah. <laughs> a lot more would be understatement. That podcast will be coming out a couple of days afterwards, us looking at WrestleMania, then take over the following week. In between, we will have a podcast extra looking at the Raw after WrestleMania, which is always going to be a big one. We've got the Kurt Angle special coming out at the end of the month, and I'm going to forget about that. But also the granddaddy of them all. No one forget, this WrestleMania is not the end, it is just the beginning because we are travelling towards May 4th which will be the WNR 100, which is going to be the greatest podcast of all time. It's going to feature everything anybody ever wants, ever. We're going to have got new games, we're going to have competitions, we're going to have everything there. And we might even do a little bit live. So everybody, stay tuned to the WNR podcast. Stay with us all throughout WrestleMania weekend. Let us know. And how can you contact us? You're shouting now. How? But how, James? How can we get hold of you? Well, you can find me. Uh, find us on Twitter at WWE Network Review or Dan at Vince McDan WWE. I'm at J underscore Rollins as well on Facebook. Dan, you can f- come and give us a like. It is a WWE Network Review, or you can add me as a friend. I am Vince McDan. We're across all the Google platforms as well. Google Plus. That is still a thing. The WWE Network review. You send us an email, the WNR podcast at gmail.com. And who can forget YouTube as well. We will be doing stuff on there soon. I promise you. The WNR 100, look forward to it. If that wasn't enough, you can listen to us. I mean, if you're not listening to us now, I don't know how it works. But still, there is numerous ways you can listen to us. We're on SoundCloud. On your phone. We're also on Stitcher Radio and iTunes. You can download, subscribe, rate and review there but that is it for the hall of fame special 2017 dan have you enjoyed it i have loved every minute of it exactly i have been james rollins and as always i was joined by the one and only dan white thanks for listening everybody and bye bye